Hey, uh, 12 years, right? How crazy is that? 12 years. Uh, who was here uh, in the beginning? Raise your hand if you were here like in the beginning. Stand up so I can see you. The, the survivors, that's what this is. This is survivor. Uh, so yeah, okay, there's a, only a handful of us left, it seems like. Uh, so there were 12 families, just, to, just so you know, there were 12 families that um, uh, came together and planted Refuge Church 12 years ago, and uh, none of us had any experience. I'd never pastored a church before, never served on a church staff before. We didn't have a band. Uh, we didn't have uh, anybody that had done anything like that before, but God called us out to do something, and I'm, I'm still convinced today that he did it just to show that he could do it that way. That he could take a ragtag bunch of people that had no experience and no idea what they were doing and go, I'm going to be the one that's going to do this. I'm going to be the one that's going to form this. I'm going to be the one that's shaping this. God says, I'm going to be the one that's going to do this. And that's what he's done. He has, the Holy Spirit has uh, uh, brought Refuge Church and survived us for 12 years. We've seen people come to know Jesus. There are many times that we were in the middle of this and somebody's gotten saved and baptized and I'm going, okay, shut us down tomorrow and we're done and we're okay, right? Uh, and, and so we've seen good times, we've seen bad times, we've seen hard times, we've seen all those uh, different things. Uh, before we jump into the, what I want to talk about today, uh, I just want to give a shout out to you guys who serve regularly here at 12, for 12 years. Many of you have done it, and some of you just started serving now. Uh, and I just want to give you a shout out to you guys because you just make it run smoothly. People that show up and walk in the door and there's a place to park, and there's people with blue shirts on, and there's coffee made, and there's music that's happening, and there's sound, and the air conditioning's on, and kids are being served, and, and there's all kinds of things that happen. And so I'm the guy that gets all the accolades, right? The good, good the bad, and the ugly comes right here because I'm the guy that preaches most of the time. Uh, but you, uh, so many of you serve regularly in and out. I just want to give a big uh, shout out to some of you. One, our blue shirts. Where are you blue shirts? If you got a blue shirt on, stand up. You got a blue shirt on? We know you because you've got a blue shirt that says blue shirt. Yep. Yep. So our blue shirts, uh, we're thankful for you. They're, they're kind of the first, uh, first people that you see, and hopefully they greeted you uh, with, a, with a, uh, a hearty uh, hello and a handshake and a, a laurel and hearty moment. Uh, uh, <laughs> sorry. Blazing Saddles moment there. Um, our coffee and hospitality team, you got a hot cup of coffee hopefully this morning, and it was better our communion team that always has, has your little cups. We used to do uh, bread and juice that was here, but now you get a communion cup, but hopefully we'll get out of that soon. Um, facilities and grounds, the grass gets cut, you know, uh, the, the, the weeds get torn down, the weeds get pulled up. People do that stuff. It doesn't just happen, shockingly. Uh, our kids, teachers that teach our classes every week, our band that comes up, they're all volunteers. Aren't they gifted? I mean, I mean our band is just... So, so gifted. And, you know, the thing out here, Memphis is one of those towns that if you're a musician and you serve in a church, you expect to get paid. I'm not even kidding. That at every other church that I'm aware of, at least for the most part, some musicians on the stage expect to get paid. So, all you refuse people, don't, don't get that idea. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but, but, but they get paid in other places. Literally everybody up here that serves as a volunteer, they go, man, God's given me a gift and God gives me this gift and I want to use it to glorify him and, up, and, and encourage the church. And so all of these people are volunteers that serve in our bands. Our operations team that makes sure that the air conditioning's running and repaired and 
uh, Larry Lewis that cleans our building over and over again from time and time again, that you show up and it's clean and everything's in place where it's supposed to be. Uh, our security team, there's a security team here. You see some of them sitting out at the front desk. Some of them walk the property and try to protect your vehicles while we're in here. Some people in here are armed, and so uh, you just feel safe. Uh, they've been given specific instructions, should God forbid anything ever happen, to just do what they got to do. And so we won't get into it past that, but know that we've, uh, they, they're here to protect you and me and, and, the, and people here. Uh, and so I'm thankful for them as well. Our students, you've heard from them. Our student ministry has been unsurpassed in the last few years. I expect that to continue as well. And our tech team, oh my goodness, those people that serve back in that box have to deal with us. Man, for years, Eric Eskew had to deal with me. <laughs> that's, like, uh, that's like oil and water most times because I'm just kind of fly by the seat of my pants. I don't know if you know that about me or not. Uh, but I'm just like, hey, we can do that right now. Can't we just do that new thing right now? And Eric's like, hang on, there's like 12 steps to get to that. I'm like, I know, but we can do that in the next 10 minutes, right? Uh, and he usually just makes it happen. And so that team is just uh, uh, an absolute amazing thing. And, and then our our building gets used regularly. The YMCA, there's a YMCA group, I don't even know, know, know that, meets here regularly. Uh, they meet here all through the summer. We do early voting here. That, that, that stuff transpires on a regular basis. There was an art camp that met here, uh, and they'll, I think they've got one more week, to, or maybe they're done now, but I got a card from them. And, and I'll read it to you because it's really to you as the church. And uh, they said, Scott, thank you and the Refuge family for your kindness. I'm never surprised how generous uh, everyone is. Thank you again for everything. And then someone else wrote, this is Meredith and Stacy. I can't thank you and the church family enough for letting us borrow the facility uh, for our smart camp. And so that is part of just the ministries that we have that go on uh, regularly. So I'm very thankful for, uh, for that, for we get a chance to serve our community well. God put us here uh, to serve people and to love people and to care for people. And uh, you've allowed that to continue to go to happen. So thank you church for being that kind of church. Uh, as, as we're getting ready to, as I was getting ready to, for today, I was like, what do we do? Do we just keep preaching through our, our, our if, if you're new to Refuge, expository preaching is a big deal to us, verse by verse preaching through uh, the text. We've been preaching through Genesis. We are only a few chapters away from wrapping up Genesis. And I'm like, okay, on their 12 year anniversary, do we just keep on going and, and just plug, you know, uh, drive right on through this? Or do we just kind of stop and take a moment? And so I decided to stop and take a moment today because I think it's important for us to just, uh, to, to just acknowledge the thing that, God's, that God has done uh, in our midst over 12 years. And so I actually pulled back out a, uh, the sermon that I gave whenever our church was four years old. Now, I, uh, I say that we're, we're actually, we've been doing this for 12 years. I say we're only about eight years old because the first four years were such a disaster. Pastor, I, I, I know. So, so new pastor back here and his wife and their family, they're driving in from California. Wave, wave your hand there so people see where you are. I know you hate that. Uh, but they're here from California. They're driving through. Uh, they found us online. They thought the preaching was so awesome they wanted to stop in. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, they, they found us online and wanted to come and worship with us today. And so, uh, Pastor, we're going to pray for you guys before you get out of here today. Uh, but uh, four, we were four years in, and I think that's about where we started, honestly. Uh, we were trying, we didn't, we didn't have anything in place for four years, and we were just kind of a disaster four years in. And so I preached this sermon four years in, and I was like, what do we say 12 years in? 
What is it that we want to, what is it that God wants us to be reminded of and for you to hear and for us to be encouraged about 12 years into this walk of following Jesus, of being the church, of trying to be the church here in our community? And so I want to share, I actually want to go back and share this with you today because I think it's very important. I'm really not going to change up anything that I had had said uh, because I think it's just as poignant today, 12 years in, as it was um, uh, four years in. So let let me jump into that. Um, Just to think back over the things that God's done. I just want you to take just a couple of seconds and just think about what God has done in and among us and through us over 12 years. Just kind of think back to the good times, the bad times, the hard times, the laughter, the joy. There's been a lot of those things, baptisms, the tears, uh, the, the fighting that happens in churches. We survive through those times, right? We, we work through those hard times. We press through those hard times. We're going to talk a little bit about that uh, today. 12 years. Think about the hopes that you have for your Refuge Church family. I mean, the, the hopes that you have for yourself, the hope you have for your family, the hope you have for our church as a family. What, what happens to us as a church family? We didn't know what it was like four years into this. What are we going to be? Are we going to survive? Are we going to make it any further? We're 12 years in now. What, what do you believe that God wants to do in and through and among us as a church family that's now 12 years in this community, loving and serving and caring and uh, following Jesus together. There's a guy that said, uh, unrealistic expectations always produce frustrations. Unrealistic expectations always produce frustrations. And so we had a lot of those early on as a church family. We had unrealistic expectations because we wanted things to be big and fast and grow and, and grandiose and and that just wasn't the case for us for a long time. We were just kind of trudging along and kind of making our way through and maybe just surviving. I have to tell this story because it's part of our kind of our, our heritage. We were probably two years in, and uh, we were meeting at night at the time, and uh, uh, we, were, we were struggling financially because, I don't know if you know this, but in the summer, most of y'all don't give regularly. <laughs> y'all go on vacation and spend y'all's money. And, and so giving kind of just tanks, just happens in churches all over the place. Just, just, and, and let me sidebar that and go, really doesn't happen here much anymore. You, you guys are, are amazing. I, honestly, we say that regularly, but you're, you're so faithful. You, you don't allow that to happen. You don't allow your, your money to go, all right, I'm going to take it away from the church and give it to my vacation. You just don't do that. And I, that that's, uh, I think the, the Lord's been gracious to us by, by your generosity uh, through the years. But we, we were kind of two years in. And I was, I was working a full-time job and pastoring full-time and, uh, and wasn't getting paid at the time, uh, and, and we were about to run out of money. I didn't really know what we were going to do. And we, had, we hosted this, uh, this band. What was the name of that band? Huh? Cloverton. Anybody know them? Cloverton? Y'all, y'all know them? Cloverton? Yeah. And so they, they, they came by. And so this place used to be a place called the Kai, and the Kai was a place where bands would come and play. They played, not on this stage, we tore the old stage down. We had the original stage where bands would come in and play. And, and uh, this was kind of a, a teen kind of Christian music thing, scene. And, 
And, and so Cloverton had come through, and they wanted to play at this place that used to be called the Kai. And so somebody contacted me, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know them, but yeah. And then they t- played one of their songs. I'm like, okay, well, I've heard that song before. And so we had them in, and they came and played. It was a really cool night that they were here at the refuge. And so I had a friend of mine that came, and he said, uh, he showed up that night, and, and uh, uh, we, we took up an offering, of course, and, uh, and in that offering was a check for $1,000 from this guy, from this friend of mine. And I was like, oh my goodness, this dude's giving us $1,000. And we're like, woo, you know, we're going to make it another week and a half, you know. Uh, and, and so I'm like, that is absolutely amazing. Well, the next day, this guy that gave that $1,000 called me and he said, hey, uh, you got a couple minutes. I was about to walk out the door. I was on my way somewhere. I was in a hurry. And he said, have you got time to meet somewhere? I'm like, man, uh, sure. Uh, what, do you, what, what do you need? He's like, man, I just need to meet you. I'm like, okay, we'll meet. And so we met at the high school, and he was a good friend. Our, our kid, my oldest daughter and his daughter played soccer together. And uh, uh, so we met at the high school. He hops in the car, and he's like, man, I had, really had a great time last night. Enjoyed the band, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, it was really cool. I said, what's up? He's like, you know, well, I, I, I came, and uh, I had decided whenever I came that I was going to give an offering to you guys. And I was like, man, I saw it. I said, and it was so very generous of you. You gave us $1,000. I can't tell you what a great time that came out. He said, well, that wasn't the number that God told me to give you. He said, I, I, I had a number in mind, and I only gave a tenth of it. And I went back and talked to my wife and told her that, hey, I think God wanted me to give like $10,000 to the refuge. And she said, well, you better give it. If God told you to give it, you better give it to them. He said, so I'm here to give you the other $9,000. And I'm like, I, I was speechless. And you know, that just doesn't happen. Uh, and I, I was like, I, I could not believe it. But that literally, literally is the money that sustained this church family through that summer. We, we survived because that guy was obedient to the Lord and gave what God called him to give. Now, this, that's not a story to entice you to give $10,000 unless the Spirit is moving <laughs> and you do what the Lord says. Uh, that is a story to tell you that is just the faithfulness. God, God had plans for us to continue on. This, is, this was his, we, we literally said, this is his gig and this is him sustaining us and this is him choosing for us to survive because we wouldn't survive without his hand literally being in the middle of that. So I have to tell that story on a regular basis. But there are four things that I said in year four that I want to say to us today. And here's the first one. So my, these were, there was four hopes after four years. Well, this is four hopes after 12 years. They're actually still the same. The first one is this, that our life on mission will be about conversions. That our life on mission will be about conversions. Uh, if, if you haven't figured it out by now, by being at Refuge, we are reformed in our soteriology. So that's some, that's some big language to say that we believe God is in control of everything, okay? We believe God is in control of the good, the bad, and the ugly. We believe he is in control of salvation. Nobody comes to the Lord unless he draws us, right? Unless the Holy Spirit draws you, you're not going to follow Jesus. Unless he awakens you to the gospel, you're just not going to follow him. Scripture is very clear about that. We are dead in our trespasses and sins. Unless the Spirit of God makes us alive, we just won't follow him. And so we believe that God is about um, salvation. And so there are people that if, you're, if you get squirrely and nervous about the words Calvinism and all that kind of stuff, we, 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 we fall in that vein. We're not about being a Calvinist. 
We beat that drum early here at Refuge about being reformed to Calvinism and all that kind of stuff. And we had to repent for that. Stood in this pulpit right here and repented to this church for going, we were more about our Calvinism than we were about the gospel. And so we're, I'm not here to say that, but I'm telling you, salvation is of the Lord. And what I said to the church for, in year four is what I'll say to us today, that we don't want to let our Calvinism or our reform or the fact that we believe God is in charge of everything get in the way of our evangelism. Okay? We need to be evangelists. We need to preach the good news of the gospel. And I would say not only letting that get in the way, but don't let our fear get in the way of our evangelism. Uh, there was a, a famous atheist from Penn and Teller, and Penn is one of those famous, famous atheists, and this is, this is the story that he said. Many of you have heard this before, but I'll read it. This is what he said. I've always said that I don't respect people who don't proselytize or share the gospel, people who call themselves Christians. He said, I don't respect them if they don't tell other people about Jesus. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there is a heaven and a hell and people could be going to hell or not getting, or, or not getting eternal life and you think that it's not really worth telling them because it would make it socially awkward and atheists are people who shouldn't and atheists who think people shouldn't proselytize and who say just leave me alone and keep to your religion to yourself, how much do you have to hate someone not to proselytize? He says, how much do we have to hate? This is Penn saying, how much do we as Christians have to hate somebody if we believe that the only way for people to come to know Jesus, for them to move from this life into the next is to know Jesus, repent, and believe the good news of the gospel. How much do we have to hate them not to tell them that story? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believe beyond the shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you and this is more important than that. And so Penn was making the point that we as Christians, and specifically we reform people, because here's what we reform people like to do. We like to study the Bible, and we like to get in thick, and we like to argue the fine points, and we like to point out the, the things in the Greek that just, you know, don't line up with what the English says. We like to do all that stuff like, it's good stuff. Those are good academic things that we should do with one another. But our calling is to go and be good, is to go and be good missionaries. We talk about that every day. When at the end of this service, I'm going to say, hey, as you leave here, what are you? And you're going to say what? And what do missionaries do? They tell other people about Jesus. We're going to talk about that. I would say don't be more reformed than the Bible. Your job is to proclaim the good news. We join God in what he is already doing. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says this. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So we have that assurance. God says, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have all not obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed what has been... Has, uh, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith, people come to know Jesus because we tell them, because we proclaim the good news about the gospel to them. Mark Driscoll used to say, you're going to need some Arminian moments if you want people to be saved. 
You're going to need some Arminian moments if you want people to be saved. And that's a whole another thing, and I don't have time to get into you, but basically that says that Arminians would say, hey, man, it's dependent on us. We've got to do this. So Driscoll says you gotta, you're going to need some Arminian moments. You're going to need to tell people about Jesus if you want them to be saved. We need to see gospel-centered things in our conversation. Our gathering is good. It's good to come to this. You should come to this. Hey, listen, if you're here today, you should come back. I mean, y'all are from California, so I don't expect you to come back because y'all are traveling. But if you're ever back through, come back again. Uh, but if you're here and you live in this area, then you should come back. And if not this church, you should go to another church that preaches the gospel every week. Gathering is good. Our gospel communities are good. We talk about that regularly. You should be part of a gospel community group. You, you can't live life in isolation as a follower of Jesus. We have, a, we have an enemy that is, a, a, the scripture describes him like a roaming lion seeking whom he may devour. And if you're out there by yourselves, I promise you he's going to come for you. He's going to try to pull you away and eat you. Not literally. He's going to try to destroy you. But we need you close to the, stay close to the pack, stay close to the herd, stay close to the family. So be part of a gospel community group. Being part of a gospel community group, and we do good things with one another, but good works does not replace good news. The gospel is about good news that Jesus rescues sinners. So our life on mission shouldn't just be about going to a gospel community group on Wednesday night or Sunday night or whenever you go to one. But it should be about proclaiming the good news that Jesus rescues sinners. The life-transforming message of the gospel. That's first. Our life on mission will be about conversion. Secondly, that we would be known for holiness, humility, and love for one another. Spurgeon says, there will be three effects of nearness to Jesus. Humility, happiness, and holiness. We're spending our lives close to Jesus, then we'll be more humble, we'll be more happy, and we'll be more holy the closer we get to Jesus, the more time we spend around Jesus. Philippians uh, chapter 2, if you want to turn with me there, Philippians chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 11, I want to read that. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 through 11, this is what the scripture says. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort uh, from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves." Let each one of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God to be a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being, from, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself, being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Whenever I wrote this uh, sermon uh, in year four, uh, I don't know if you know this about church plants and uh, churches that get started, but, but almost inevitably, there are little factions that start in churches. And people, it, it's a funny thing. We're a little, we were a little church of like 40 people. And 
It was amazing how many people wanted to like, gain power in a little church of 40 people. Pastor, I don't know if that happens in your church or not, but, but it's, it's almost strange how that happens where people were jockeying to like go, well, I'm the most important and I have something to say and I want to be important here and hey, look at me and all these kind of things. And, and so I can't tell you the number of rebukes that had to happen and the number of time meetings that we had to have and the number of this is not going to work out for you here because that's not what we do here. Uh, this is not about you, you know, m- multiple of those kind of things. And, and I just want to say, thank the Lord that that's not happening here now. I- I'm so happy that you as a church are not trying to make much of yourselves. That we don't have to go, hey, look over here at me and wave our own individual flags that if we're going to na- wave the flag, we're going to wave the flag of Jesus. Amen. Yeah, we're going to wave the flag of the gospel, that we're not going to wave our own flag trying to make much of ourselves. And through the years, through uh, God bringing many godly people in here and some glorious subtractions along the way, uh, come on, you know, you say amen to that, uh, that sometimes that's just a good thing to happen. And so God has been very gracious to us. And so when we were talking about these things in year four, there was a lot of that that was going on. So I'm glad to say that in year 12, we just don't see that happening. And so I'm thankful to the Spirit for you and the way that you conduct yourself, the way you, way you follow Jesus, the way that you want to be part of a church family that's doing something. And you're not here to try to make the name for yourself. We're here to make much of the name of Jesus. Paul said this, any encouragement, comfort, participation in the spirit, affection and sympathy, be of the same mind, have the same love, be in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing of, out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than ourselves. That's what I want refuge to be known for. That we count others more important than us. That we literally would give up ourselves, give up what we own, give up what we have, give up our lives so that others can be made much of so that others can come to know Jesus, so that others can be lifted up, so that those who are struggling that walk in this door, and we, I know some of you walked in, you're struggling today. You need help. You don't need somebody up here beating their chest. You don't need people around you beating their chest. You need people in this church that might be lift you up and ask you to come along and be part of what God is doing in this family. We talk about being family a lot here. So we struggle through some of these hard times with one another live in humility, to love one another. Jesus said in John chapter 13, a new commandment, I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You're also to love one another. By this, by the fact that you love one another, all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. I went on back in, uh, back in the day whenever we talked about this, and I, say, I said, are we a healthy family? We talk about being family here, that we are adopted into the family of God. And because we are adopted into the family of God, we become brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and we say that we, uh, uh, that we have all things in common. Scripture said that back in the day that they had all things in common. And I'll say it's always advantage to me because that means what's mine is yours and what's all of yours is now mine. And so it just works out well for me. Uh, but, but we have all things in common. And, and so we, 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 care, we care for one another and we share with one another and we give. We don't hold on tightly to what we have because it's not ours anyway. God's just giving it to us to steward well. And so we say, what would a healthy family do? How would a healthy family uh, live? Uh, Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 
He says this, If I speak in the tongue of men and angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoings, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophets, they'll pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. That's what it should be said of us as followers of Jesus. When people think of Refuge Church, I want, them to, I want people to think about the love that we have for one another. Why? So that we can raise the flag of refuge? Nope. So that people can say, in today's culture and the way that we live, that only happens because there's something different about those people. It gives us an opportunity to talk about Jesus. It gives us an opportunity to talk about, I can, pro- I can promise you that if it weren't for Jesus, I would be a selfish person. Uh, more, I, I would want my own way. I would try to destroy you and win. That's just my, that's my, that's the nature that I have to keep pushing down many, many times. Ask the Lord to kill off in me many times because that's just my default and my go-to. But through the years, God has continued to conform me and form me into the image of Jesus. So that's not the important thing to me anymore. And that's got to be said that only the Spirit can do things like this. I won't get into the love one another's and, and greet one another with a holy kiss and all these things that, uh, that I talked about back then. Uh, but I, I do want to say this. Um, Paul talks about this in, in Romans chapter 12. He says this, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Continue, contribute to the needs of the saints and to seek to show hospitality. You hear what he's saying? He's like, we're giving ourselves away. This is not about taking things from me. Christianity and following Jesus is not about just accumulating more from me and me and me. This is about doing and giving and serving other people. Bless those who persecute you. Hang on. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. 
That's not what the culture tells us today. Somebody gets you, what does the culture say? Get them back worse. Scripture teaches us to do something different, to live differently. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with everybody. He says, there's going to be times you're going to be tried, but as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with everybody. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, he says. Instead of doing that, instead of kind of doing it on your own, instead of trying to repay people on your own, to the contrary, he says, if your enemy is hungry, what does the scripture say? Feed him. Give him a sandwich. Take him to Chick-fil-A. Give him the Lord's chicken. (laughs) If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. By doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. That's the mark of what it means to follow Jesus. How countercultural is it today to live like this? That's our calling, church. That's who you and I are called to be. As the church, as the body of Christ, we're called to live differently. Let this be said of us. Let this be said of you. Thirdly, that we would live in healthy rhythms. I want you to be healthy. I want you to be a church that is a healthy church that lives in good rhythms of life. So engaging and resting and recuperating and celebrating. Uh, I wrote this down, that we cannot worship when our focus is just keep going and going and going and going and going and going. You'll just, we'll just, you'll burn out. You'll burn out. Think of the dry spells that you've probably had over your life. We'll just say in the last 12 years. Anybody had a dry spell in 12 years? Yeah, I know. We all have. We all run through dry spells, and our culture teaches us to just drive on. Put your head down and just charge ahead and just keep on going. And the church typically has been the worst about that. Because once we start and you've got some gifts and some talents... The church typically just rides that horse off the cliff, right? Just rides it until like, well, they burn out. I don't know what happened to them. Next, who else can do what they just did? We don't want to live like that here, church. We want you to use your gifts. Each of you, we we say this regularly, but you need to hear this again. If you're here in this church, and this is your church home, or you're going to make this your church home, you've been given some type of gifts, some type of spiritual gifts, and God has brought you here to edify this church family together. It could be part of that list that I read out. It might be something that we don't even know that you're gifted at that this church needs, and God has brought you here to either begin it or make it better here at Refuge. And so you should use those gifts. You shouldn't sit on them. We need to know if you've got gifts and use them. I love the fact that that people can sing and people can make coffee and people can sweep the floor and people can wear a blue shirt and people can talk to people. Some people don't want to talk to people. I'm I'm glad that some people hold babies and wipe butts and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I'm glad that people do that. That's a spiritual gift that some people don't have. But if you've got those giftings, then we want you to use those giftings, but we don't want you to burn out. 
And so if you're here and you're part of this church family and you're serving, you go, I'm about that edge, preacher. And tell us, we'll give you a break. We're not going to ride the horse off the cliff. We have dry spells. and Sometimes we just need to rest and recuperate. Ministry is a marathon. It's not a sprint. We're not trying to sprint to the end. We're just trying to go. We're trying to run the race set before us. Jesus put a race set before us. We're trying to run that race, the race that he's given us. Don't run a different race. Run the race that he's given us. God will not bless our attempts to try to be God. You're not God. I'm not God. We're just trying to point everybody to him. So we're going to need to sleep. Amen? All right, sometimes the best thing you can do is sleep. Sometimes, listen, I say this too. On Sunday, we want you to come, okay? If you're watching online, pay attention. If, 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 uh, we want you to be here. We, we, want you to, we want you to be here, and we want you to show up, and we want you to gather. But sometimes the best thing that you can do is sleep in. Sometimes the best thing you can do is to just roll over and pull the covers up and go back to sleep. Sometimes you need to do that. Sometimes you need to just go, you know what? I am, I, I'm not going to make it today, but I am going to the biggest buffet today, and I am going to have one of those Sunday uh, buffets because I just need to be with my family uh, we've been running the race and running a million miles an hour, and we're going to do that. You know what we'd tell you to do? Go eat. You go, preacher, man, I need to take a vacation, but I, I don't know about missing. Take a vacation. Go do those things. But when you're not providentially hindered from that, man, come, be part of this. Come and sit in this gathering and sing at the top of your lungs. The band plays so loud, ain't nobody hear you if you can't sing. I promise you, just, just sing at the top of your lungs and just belt it out uh, and, and sing and make a joyful noise unto the Lord. But sometimes we need to just sleep and we need to eat well. We need to exercise or recreate and go to the lake or whatever, get in a new boat you just bought and go to the lake or something. Sometimes that's just the best thing you can do. Let us be known as, as people that take care of our bodies. Sometimes you need to join a gym. There's a local one in Arlington that you should probably join. Um, <laughs> probably. Uh, you need to take care of your soul. Yeah. You need to take care of your soul. You need to take care of your spirit. You need to take care of yourself physically. That's important for all of us. But lead you to live in rhythm, uh, healthy, healthy rhythms. And then lastly, uh, lastly, if you'll hit that one for me, I'm, off, I'm offline up here. Uh, fourthly, that we'll be a people who seek the interests of Jesus and not our own. There will be people that seek the interests of Jesus and not our own. We, we need unity in the body, which I'm so glad that we have now. Uh, it, it's, good to, it's good to be part of a church that, that people want to be around one another and, and enjoy one another and, and like to be together, and we're not backbiting and all that stuff's just not going on. And I, I love that. I love that that's happening. We need to celebrate the good things that happen in our body. We're, we're doing that today. We're celebrating 12 years of being here. We need to find other reasons to celebrate. It, 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 let's, let's be the most celebratory people Christians, we say this often, Christians should be the most celebratory people that any of your friends know. Like we should be the most joy-filled, we should throw the best parties, we should serve the best wine, we should have also have the, the, best, the best celebrations of anybody because we've got more to celebrate than anybody else, amen? We, we should celebrate more than anybody else. And if you, people ask you why you celebrate, man, I'm just happy in the Lord. I got, I've got neighbors that are having a birthday party and we want to throw them the best party. You tracking with me, church? We don't need to just trudge through this life 
celebrate. There's joy in the body, encouragement in the body, and love in this body for sure. Uh, Paul wrote this to the church at Philippi. He said, I hope in the Lord Jesus to, to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. See, Paul said, I want to hear good things that are going on around you. I want to I hear the celebra celebratory things that are happening around and what God is doing. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. And so as a church, I want us to seek the people, the interests of others. I want us to seek the interests of Jesus. What would Jesus want to be happening in Refuge Church today? He would want the gospel to be proclaimed. He would want us to love one another. He would want us to welcome in the stranger. He would want us to have open arms and he would want us to open our homes up to people and say, come and be part of this. Hey, stranger, you who are by yourself, you who are new to a city, you who are trying to find your way, come and be welcomed in. That's, who, that's how he would want us to live. Here's what I'd love people to say about each of you. You, whatever your name is, Scott lives a lifestyle that reflects that he has been saved by the grace of God. I'd love that to be said about you. Put your name there. You Live a lifestyle that reflects that you've been saved by the grace of God. That your heart has been made new. That the Spirit of God actually lives within you. That there's hope that surrounds you. That your language is seasoned with grace. That's what I hope he says about each of us. If that doesn't flow out of you, if, if that's not a regular part of who you are, if that's not, if, if joy and, and, and love and care and compassion doesn't flow out of you, you've got to say, what, what, what's happening in here? Have I been given a new heart? Does the Spirit of God live within me? Or am I just religious? Are you just religious? Or have you been transformed? and changed by the life-giving message of the gospel. I'm, we, we talk about here, this, this golden ticket theology that people have, gold, some of you are new here, golden ticket is that you think one day because you said some prayer somewhere along the way and got your golden ticket to heaven, that you're going to show up and you've lived your life any way you want to, that nobody could tell the difference in you and anybody else around you. You're going to show up when you croak one day and you're going to get to heaven. You're going to go, why should I let you in? You're going to go, boom, golden ticket. I prayed that prayer. Remember? That's what I did. But there's no evidence in your life that you've been changed. That's, man, don't bank on that. Don't bank on that. That's bad, bad theology. Scripture teaches us whenever we have been uh, born again, when we have moved from death to life, we've repented of our sins, put our faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus, that he changed us. The Spirit of God lives in us, and we become different people. Don't miss that. Look, I said this in year four. I'll say it again today. Uh, ours is not the only way at Refuge. The way we do things, uh, the way we live, the way we, how we sing and preach and gospel communities and all that kind of stuff, ours is not the only way. 
There, there are great churches in our city that don't th do things the same way we do, and that's okay. Uh, God uses every form and every different church for what he wants to use different churches and different people for to make disciples for his glory, okay? So just because we do it here doesn't mean it's the right way. It's just the way we do it at Refuge, okay? But that's the way we do it. Matt Adair says that the gospel is a gospel of giving and forgiving. The gospel is a life of giving. Let us be those people. Let us be marked by these things that, we've, that I've just talked about today. Let us be marked by people that are different. Let us be marked. Not, we don't have to be strange. I mean, some of y'all are strange, but uh, we don't have to be weird. We just love and care for people. I, I hope that in the next 12 years of Refuge Church that we continue to love and care for one another, that we continue to point people to Jesus, that we continue to invite the stranger in, that we continue to just put away the things that, 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 are, that are not important in this life, that we make the gospel of utmost importance in our life, and that as we move forward 12 years, that we'll be people that are marked by love, that we love deeper, we speak sweeter, we give forgiveness like we were dying, Hope you get the chance. I'll close with this from 1 John chapter 4. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not know God, anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we have loved, but God, but not that we have loved God, but that he loved us first and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. He, he, he propitiated God's wrath. He, he satisfied God's wrath. He sent his son to satisfy God's wrath. That's what propitiation essentially means. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, he hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God who he has not seen. And this is commandment that we have from him. Whenever, whoever loves God must also love his brother. But beloved, let us love one another. Marks of following Jesus is that we love one another. I love you, church. I'm thankful to be one of your pastors. I'm thankful to be part of this church family. I'm thankful to be part of what God is, has done for 12 years and have whatever he's going to be doing in the next 12. I'm thankful to be part of that. I'm thankful to be part of it with you. Let's go together, waving the flag of the gospel, waving the flag that Jesus rescues sinners, waving the flag that all are welcome to come and be part of this ragtag family at Refuge Church. Amen? Let's pray together.